1: Learn
2: more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
3: We talk about food,
4: we talk about music, with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
1: Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Aaron Bresnes. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we kick off this week's show. Heritage Radio Network is taking a summer break for the month of August. So this will be the last episode of this season. We'll be hanging out, eat some good food, sip some cool drinks, and hopefully taking a dip in a pool so we can come back and hit the ground running for the fall. This week, we are so excited to be welcoming Woody and Ross of Ami Ami. They have an incredible new type of box wine that is a gorgeously designed package, delicious wine, and a lot of fun for any party or hangout you have coming up. We talk about how they met, their journey to creating their wine together, and what their plans are for the future. And then we dip into the archives for a classic performance from Tall Juan from Buenos Aires via the Far Rockaway. And he's given us a little bit of a Latin Elvis vibe meets the Ramones. It's a great way to say so long to the summer, at least here on Stacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network.
4: i Things just happen, and you don't know why. Well, in thoughts, you'll go insane. Sometimes To see what's wrong While doing it Well, letting go Makes you feel this way
1: Cody and Ross of Ami Ami, thank you for making your way to our part of the world and sitting down with some snacky tunes. Really appreciate it. Yeah,
0: thank
2: you. Thanks, you. thanks for having us. Yeah,
1: thanks. You know, uh, I was reading about your backgrounds, and what I love about it is that you both had these creative pursuits and endeavors before officially getting into the wine business. Um, Woody, I know you're a third-generation winemaker and, and Ross, you studied wine, but what would you recommend for people who are thinking about getting into, if not wine, but business in general, about sort of scratching that creative itch before they they uh, get into the, the longer line of work?
5: Woody, do you want to jump into this one? You've probably got a little bit more of an entre- entrepreneurial <clears throat> background than
2: me. Uh, yeah, I think... There's a couple things that I would recommend. Um, the first is optimism. Mm. You know, you need you need a ton of optimism to really go out there and try try to do something and build something. If you don't have that, you'll be your own worst enemy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then, secondly, I would say take advantage of the resources that you have, and I mean that really like intellectual resources. Mm-hmm. So if you're going into a space try and get to know some people that have been doing it for a long time and mm. and listen to them. You know, you don't necessarily need to follow everything that they say, but typically people who have been doing something for a long time have some value, valued opinions and a lot of knowledge that can help you be successful. Um, you know, of course, really groundbreaking ideas. You do have to be uh, go against the grain a bit, but foundationally, I think you're going to need, um, I think generally you need, you know sort of experience to help you really succeed i mean you guys have been part of the wine
1: community for years and and even growing up in it how would you describe the current state of wine and the wine industry in america and even around the world
2: So I think we, what's great about Ross and I is that I have this domestic perspective and mm-hmm. he's from South Africa. So mm-hmm. I think we will, will be able, and he's made wine all over the world too. So he has a really worldly a, approach here. But the one thing um, I'll say first is what's really interesting is the wine industry has done a, a poor job of connecting with younger buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. With the natural wine movement, we're seeing more of that, but... But generally speaking, like the, the majority of brands out there, they, they're having a really hard time connecting with younger people. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with AmiAmi. AMI. Um, but Ross, I'd love to hear sort of your opinion on the, the state of the industry.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, I've worked kind of all around the world and um, I've had the pleasure of working in many different wine regions. And like, it's extremely similar from like a real tight-knit community perspective. I'm not sure what other industries are out there. That really mimicked the wine industry for like how tight it is um mm. but but be, like like for an example right like years ago in 2010 i traveled from sonoma to western australia to go into a an harvest and i arrived at the winery day one with the other interns and like two people there i was like no shit i was at a party with you in two weeks ago in sebastopol <laughs> yeah. right, and, right, and, right. And, and we just ne- and we just never discussed like where we were going next but literally ended at the same winery so like you got to be very careful what you say <laughs> because it travels yeah, very oh, quickly yeah. but but the negative of that is that the wine industry is extremely insular and it's very hard to Yeah, crack I into mean it. going and back to so, what you just yeah, said. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And then going back to what you said a little bit about um the older wine companies or just wine in general not doing a great job connecting with the new generation um I have seen more wine brands that are younger that have a lifestyle associated with it that have a point of view that talk about the environmental impact that really you say like this is the this is the wine for your 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 personal brand lifestyle why is that 360 approach even more than just like connecting with them like why is that more important now than ever
5: I think just access to information is so much more there right and everybody mm. Like especially the younger generation, like they want to know. Like you know, if you look at these Ooh. more established industry vets or like these older wine companies, they're still focused on this this marketing perspective of like the consumer cares what soil type the soil came from, this wine came from. They care which rows we picked and and what date they picked it and what we believe or what we're seeing with younger generations is like they just don't they just don't. Really, there's a bit of a disconnect there. It's just not important, and so. When you look at all these new products that are hitting the shelves, and like the explosion of cans, the explosion of salt—I mean, explosion—and then disappearance of cans, the explosion and mm-hmm. disappearance of these like hard seltzers. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger generations—they're hungry for something. Mm-hmm. They're hungry, for, hungry for something different and something yeah. new and something they can relate to. And so, like what Woody and I have done with our Me has gone like, look, wine's been around for centuries. It's arguably one of the mm-hmm. oldest, mm-hmm. oldest products, and it's been extremely popular for centuries. Why are we trying to change what's inside the vessel? Like that's, what's, that's the only thing that's worked for centuries. And so we're, we're now going, well, let's just put it in an alternative format. Let's find a format that's way more convenient, portable, accessible. And then from like a brand universe perspective, let's mimic that. Let's make the brand accessible and um, approachable and relatable and like forget about all the nuances of the stuff that doesn't seem to be resonating. And let's focus on what is resonating, inclusivity, diversity, just fun. Like wine is so fun. Like when did it stop being fun? And that's really what we're trying to bring back with the Miami.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, because I've always had such a fun time with wine. But I think it's because the people who got me into wine are people like Justin Chernow over at Four Horseman and, and, and um, uh, Jorge over at Frenchette, like guys who just always had fun with wine. And I don't yeah. think that that's the normal experience if you're coming in from an outsider, uh, perspective
2: yeah it's it's wild to me you know these legacy brands are still sort of positioning their wine in like the cigar room with a bunch of old guys and that's not <laughs> relatable to a lot of people you know and, no it's and, not your friday night yeah. no right no no yeah and um yeah i think you know it's it's like authenticity is really important to, to mm. a younger demographic too and i think that's why it's more of this inclusive lifestyle positioning rather than, um, yeah. Like sort of the traditional posturing of this is the best Pinot Noir and Russian river and it's clone seven, 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 and it's Rose one through 30. It's like, those are nuances that don't really matter. What matters more is like, does, do the people behind the brand, like, do they really, are their values, my values, and does that carry through to the brand?
1: Now, speaking of the community and, and shared values, uh, I'd love to know how you two met. And in my mind, sun setting, you're uh, at some vineyard in the south of France. You know, a bottle or box has just been opened. Um, how close am I?
5: Like literally identical. That's exactly. Yeah, it. Now, it. the only thing so is that there was there was like a fresh there was a fresh mustard seed cover crop and we actually just ran and embraced without knowing each other. That's the only difference. <laughs> but otherwise yes. it was spot
1: on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ian Payoff just playing in the background. Yeah, I can see it in my mind. Um, that was it. but was, that was it, it, was it more, was it a party? Was it, uh, like more of like a professional gathering? Um, what brought you two together and, and how quickly did you know that you wanted to do something together?
5: Yeah. I mean, look, it's a pretty cool story. Um, and it's actually based around our daughters. So Woody and I both have a daughter called Sophie. They're the same age. Um, and they're, I mean, they fluctuate between best friends and worst enemies on like a 15-minute rotation.
1: Um, <laughs> it sounds about and, right.
5: Yeah. So it's like, oh, my daughter's called Sophie. Well, my daughter's called Sophie. That's cool. Um, let's hang out. Um, and very quickly, uh, through our, our families kind of getting together, Woody and I just broke off in like the early stages of a bromance. Um, started sharing a lot of wine and honestly it was it was more of our backgrounds that connected you know i was i was at that time i was at first leaf and we had just grown 300 percent during covid Um, he was at he had he was at house which was just like at its absolute peak of just you know taking over the dtc industry and you know but we both had these very traditional winemaking backgrounds and so being able to talk geeky wine stuff with woody and then him know the same acronyms like um, you know, like CPAs and LTVs. And I was like, wow, this is, I can actually just, dis- I can discuss what it- I can talk about, whatever I want. And like, we're going to understand what we're talking about. So I mm. think the initial, the initial bond just came from like, Woody gets it. And like, I got what he was talking about and we could, we could share war stories from the last 12 months. And like, there was definitely that relatability there. Um, but very quickly, what we also noticed about each other is that we have this like very contrarian nature where as mm. soon as everyone else is doing something, we both want to do the polar opposite at high quality. That's like our mm. one driving force is like, cool, let's do this, but let's do it as like good as it can possibly be. And so very quickly, it was like, you know, myself, I can talk to myself. I was working at Palmire and <laughs> Napa, you know, very like famous, sure. established, sure. fancy winery. And like the new vintage would be coming and I wasn't at all excited. Mm. I was like, oh, again, okay. What are we going to? leave, we're going to leave the grapes to hang till early October. We're going to pick them. We're going to put them in hundred percent French oak. We're going to charge $200. I'm going to go to wine dinners with, at country clubs. And I was like, oh, right, right.
1: Okay. Right. Yeah. So too many cigar rooms, too many, cigar yeah, rooms. too
5: many, too many cigar rooms and rich mahogany and leather bound books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so for me, like I can speak for myself, that initial, you know, connection with Woody was just around like, let's do something different. <clears throat> How cool would it be? And and our, our bag and box journey actually started with how pissed off would the wine industry got if we put Barolo in a box?
1: <laughs> I, think, like, I, I think I think I uh, think we know the answer. Yeah, I, your exactly. Invitation so, to those clubs would be rescinded <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and so, like,
5: honestly, our, our connection and it's it's those thoughts that are like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if? And Ooh. we just kept we kept we kept like having those same thoughts. Um, and, and then obviously the rest is a whole other story, but more so from like a brand origin standpoint, that's where it came from. Ami, Ami is French for friend, friend. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. a lot of that is, that's actually based on the two Sophies Amazing. and uh, building something well, for the future generations.
1: Well, let's take a quick little break. Cause I do want to talk about the launch of the brand and the packaging. And then also, uh, Woody, maybe hear a little bit of, uh, the music you played, the different parts of the process and putting the packaging together we have a song from the archives here on snacky tunes on heritage radio network
3: like a little lost cat up in the tree like a lonely dog without a flea like a last standing villager on his knees. what you feeling what you're all over me
1: back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Woody and Ross of Ami, Ami, And so, you know, you guys have this shared experience in the wine world. You have this shared connection through your romance with your families. And you're looking to, I hate to use the word disrupt because it's such like a word for the tech sector. But in many ways, do something that the wine old guard might wrinkle their nose at while keeping it high quality and so it seems that you having all these pieces put together to get to this product but the box and the bag in the box seems to be like the big like unique selling point uh how did you get there and how much of it was a business decision versus just a point of differentiation
5: uh, well, I'll take the first part and then Woody can take the second part. I just want to quickly touch Ooh. on the disruption aspect. Like, we, mm-hmm. we are very quick to say we are not disrupting anything. We don't like the term. We don't like the word. It's kind of a label Ooh. now. And I prefer That's why I was hesitant to use it. That's why I was hesitant to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I prefer the word challenging. But, okay. the, but the unique position is we're not even challenging the wine industry. We're challenging the consumer. We're challenging their perception. And that, that's our, that, that will be our biggest challenge, or at least early on is challenging the perception of the consumer when it comes to, hey, you can put great wine in a box. So I just well, wanted to quickly touch on that.
1: No, of course, and listen, I remember when screw tops for high-end wine came in and people were like, absolutely not. And people were like, well, do you know what the environmental impact is of cork and what that really means and the cost of cork these days? Like it doesn't, you know, it's just, it's a matter of perception that you need to change more than, than what's in the bottle or the bag.
5: Oh, 100%. And I think, um, I'm trying to take this off on a tangent, but I lived and worked in Australia for six years. I think something mm-hmm. like 97 or 98% of wines are under screw cap in Australia. If you put one yeah. under cork, they laugh at you. Huh. They laugh at you. And so I think I'm kind of having this like on a therapist couch moment of like, yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what started to bake into my mind about like Australians yeah. love to challenge things, love. Um, and so I'm sure part of that is baked into like, the confidence needed to like, yeah, let's do it. But um, yeah, Woody, Woody can take uh, the other part of the question.
2: Yeah, I think a big driving factor for us also was, yeah, definitely a business decision, but also uh, environmental decision too. Yeah. You know, when when I was at house, um, we were doing all of our own fulfillment. So, you know, I would, every, every day, every week, I'd see, you know, like thousands of boxes were leaving our warehouse. And at a certain point it it hit me like, wow, there's a real environmental impact to this. Uh, you know, we have this big heavy glass bottle. Um, gosh, how much, like, what's the carbon footprint of that bottle being, Mm. you know, produced to wherever it's made, it's shipped over an ocean, then we fill it, then it goes into another box. And it's, there's just a really big carbon footprint there. And that was one of these early decisions, early conversations that Ross and I were having, um, was like wow this this really has a uh an impact you know and how can we be better we started looking at cans um we were concerned by some quality limitations there and that's what led us to the bag and box Um, yeah and then and then also yeah it definitely was it, it was a business decision you know we as ross said we are sort of contrarian in nature you know we we wanted to do a project. We wanted to do a project that had sustainability in a core part of it. Um, and we wanted to differentiate that product. And you know, if we were just to like make some wine in France, put it in a glass bottle, ship it here, like that's just exactly what everyone else is doing. And that doesn't really solve this carbon footprint concern that we had of glass. Um, mm-hmm. Where um, the bagging box comes in, we were able to make a really high quality wine at a great price. Um, at prices that we can't match here in California, um, I mean, I, I grow 250 tons of organic grapes uh, in in Sonoma County, and I I couldn't source our grapes and make a wine at a cost effective to, to, to be sort of in the price point that we want to be in.
1: It's just wow. not possible. Our costs We're are just shipping, so high, even with all the transportation involved from coming from France to here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, uh, the costs are too high. You know, it's, um, it's really expensive to make wine in in California, at least where we're located in Sonoma County. Um, and, and then another point I'd like to mention is, you know, everybody, if we were just to put another wine in a bottle, uh, it's just another wine in a bottle. Um, when when you look at what's out there, there's only a, there's really a handful of box wines, you know, it's two two and a half percent of the market. It's mostly bigger brands that are not known for being high quality. There's a couple new brands coming out which we're really excited about that are higher quality. Um, and so it's it's a lot less. It's a lot easier to sort of uh, like get your product out there and get it seen because there's mm. really less people doing it. So, so I think definitely a strategic decision too.
1: Now talking about it being seen, I'd be remiss not to bring up the design. And so the cool thing about having a box is you're not just working with a front label. You have the whole exterior to play with. How did you decide on the design? Did you know early on that you wanted to bring in um, Wedge to work with you on this? Uh, What was the process like in, in getting your unique look together?
2: Yeah. So, so at house I was introduced to a ton of creative people and mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. from all
2: over the world. And it was, it was great. And one of the groups that I got to know pretty well are some guys out of London and their company is called Alfie. And basically what they do is they partner with startups or brands who are looking for creative guidance and mm-hmm. they pair you with agencies. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first calls that Ross and I made was to Alfie and they introduced us to a number of different agencies. And, you know, it was really just sort of a gut check of like, who, who gets it? Who do we want to work with? Um, who like sort of carries the values that we carry? And really, like really quickly in the conversation with Wedge, they got it, they loved it. Um, and it was really clear that they were looking to be partners with us on it, not just us be another Sort of billable hour client. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I think also just adding to that is, um you know, we knew from the beginning that we wanted this to be French wine. Um, that was based mm-hmm. on my experience at First Leaf, where I'm not sure how much you know about First Leaf, but it's the, you know, the second largest direct consumer wine subscription service yeah. Yeah, after yeah. Naked Wines. And like the best part about it, we had an incredibly short feedback loop. In terms of getting customer ratings and feedback. So, like, That's right. we, Yeah. Yeah. And so we had all this access to data and information, and consistently, French wines were the highest rated. Um, and <laughs> I've kind of joked, I've joked previously that like I knew for a fact some of them were not that great. And they were still getting like really high rated. And that really built this, this kind of, kind of thesis in my head that this perception of French and Ooh. luxury kind of France is synonymous with luxury. So just more background as to like why French initially, but then the fact that wedge were French Canadian was just like the cherry on top, you know, Ooh. so immediately they, they, and, you know, ending up with the French name, I mean, I mean, none of this was planned. This was all part of the process. And yeah, it just, it's, as they learned more about us, it made so much more sense. And so that was also like another slam dunk for wedge. And um, besides just being incredible at what they do, that, that, that natural tie to France, just, I think help bring that extra element of authenticity to the brand itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, love uh, as a fellow Quebecois, uh, love the uh, Montreal point of view when it comes to design. They always always seem to be on the cutting edge of of what's up when it comes to the hip new look.
2: Yeah, are you are you familiar with the agency with which?
1: Uh, yeah, I know their work and and they do beautiful work and um, yeah. you know it just. I think it's going back to what we talked about before, about this whole like it's this lifestyle, right? It's like, oh cool, like I have this wine and it comes from France and the design agency is an agency I know. It's not just some like white label that was done on, you know, you know, by someone I've never heard of. Like the whole thing starts adding up to being this product that sort of fits into a lifestyle. And I know that you guys uh really push that um, with your wine club, but then also doing events around the country. How important is it to build, and I would say not slowly, but like to grow organically this community around a me and me?
2: I think it's super important. Uh, This is one of the things that I've reflected on um, sort of with your past experiences. And you can't, you can't force this, you know, it's Mm -hmm. something that, needs to be they need to be real relationships they they um yeah you just can't uh you can't what like the i don't know there was a point in time in the dtc world where everyone was just looking to grow as fast as possible sure. and as sure. much money as you can to acquire customers and what we've learned is that that's not a sustainable model you know mm-hmm. it's just not and that's why with what we're doing here with Amiami, we're trying to be really thoughtful. Um, we're trying to really understand, you know, what our customers are looking for, and try and give them that, and not not try and do it in a way that uh, seems forced or inauthentic to who we are.
1: Mm, no, and I and um, there's no forcing anymore. I think maybe if you force it, you get people to buy once, and then they they just move on. There's just so many consumer product goods and even in the, the new wine space they're just coming along and so if you don't create a enjoyable experience that has at the core something that's that's tasty yeah
2: this totally. won't come back yeah product excellency is totally one of our core values um between you know my experience in the wine industry Ross's experience in the wine industry we've that's always been sort of a North star. Uh, that's something that I know neither of us will ever really, um, we're not flexible on that, you know? So yeah, first and foremost, awesome product, And then how do we engage with our, with, you know, this community with like, how do we share this awesome project, our product with these guys? And, now, uh, absolutely. Now, uh, Woody,
1: in reading your research, I, I saw that you were a DJ in a earlier life and with so many different parts Of the process from planting to picking to tasting to shipping to dealing with invoices and you know, things like that. What's some of the soundtrack that one could expect at different different parts of this process
2: that's such an awesome question um you know we have we have a couple playlists up on spotify mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. we have we have one sort of classic french bistro playlist which is really Why? good if that's the vibe and then we have one that's more contemporary french music which is also really good mm-hmm. um if you're into like there's some sort of like electronic stuff on there and it's it's i actually love that i listen to that playlist all the time with my kid in the car um yeah but i, I mean it is, it's a, it's funny. I never really made the correlation between DJing and winemaking, but there are actually a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at the, you're, you're going to be a great DJ if you, you, you yourself love the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I relate that to what we're doing is, you know, we really love our product. And then, you know, you also have to do jo- uh, do a good job of sort of introducing whatever that new track is or whatever to a dance floor. And, you want to keep the dance floor dancing. So you got to pick, right? So I guess that's what we're, what we're doing with Ami too. It's funny. I've never really thought of it that way, but
1: I mean, Hey, you know, food and music. We've, we've, we've put a lot of thought into that. Over the yeah, years. totally.
2: Um, so listen, before
1: we go, it's the summertime. You have your Vin Rouge, your Vin Blanc. I'm getting friends over. We're cooking, we're hanging out. What's on the table. What goes well with the wine? What have you guys been doing to host this summer?
2: So what I what I what's so great about the wine that we've made is that Mm -hmm. they they really are you know we've done a ton of blind taste testing and people with you know really pretty expensive traditional bottles of wine and we have won out like nine times out of ten so we're in this casual format but the wine is actually fantastic so Mm -hmm. you know if you're looking to have sort of a fancy highbrow sit down. decant it and don't tell your guests that it's in a box if, that, if you're worried about that or um you know how we usually serve it at, at my place is in the box um you know food's been a huge part of my life since i was a you know it's how my my family communicates in the kitchen so it's how we how uh, it's been a really yeah like i said a big part of my life since i was a kid so food is really important to me so we're cooking really great meals and we just have the box out and it's this sort of high quality but casual nature of living which is um pretty much how i like to do it so I, I, yeah i like I, that yeah. approach to life yeah Ross, high I'm quality, casual hell yeah absolutely high quality but casual
1: i think i'm gonna get that tattooed that sounds yeah. good <laughs> yeah yeah right on your neck right like right just across <laughs> across the throat uh but what about you ross uh what about you what's on the table this summer that's going well with the wines
5: uh, well, I'm South African, right? So we're obsessed with meat. To us, mm-hmm, chicken, mm-hmm. to us, chicken is salad. So um, I mean, like, kind of what he alluded to the fact that like these wines, like these wines, are so diverse. Mm-hmm. They really can be drunk on their own, and paired with anything. At the moment, I had it was my uh, wedding anniversary yesterday, so we went out oh, and we congratulations. had congratulations. Yeah, thank you, made it. Um, we had tuna <laughs> crudo, which was incredible. So like, makes me think of the white with like ceviche, mm-hmm, anything mm-hmm. that's kind of like high acid light and bright and then the red the red the red like it's a sarah that's been confused for a pinot stylistically but it, can, it, it really stands up to me so i've been uh doing a lot of sous lately so anything tri-tip related um anything nice and smoky uh but yeah, yeah. everyone else can bring the
1: salad i'll I'll do the meat yeah or make it a steak salad you know yeah right perfect. uh well listen yeah. congratulations on everything uh really appreciate you sitting down to chat with us if people want to um check out the playlist order the wine follow along
2: with your adventures sign up for the wine club where can they go our website's the, the the best place to go uh www.ami-ami.vin so ami v i n.
1: amazing well listen thank you congratulations to you both so much thanks to liz and meredith over at becca for setting this up We have a song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
6: de l'aventure Quand le temps va et vient On ne pense à rien Malgré ses blessures Car le temps de l'amour Ça vous met au cœur Beaucoup de chaleur Et de bonheur Un beau jour C'est l'amour
5: My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super
1: duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Welcome back. We
7: are here live in studio. Tal Juan, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Hello. Hello, how are you? Very good, thanks so much. And we have Patrick joining us as well. Hello, Lou. How are you guys doing today? Very good. All the way from New Jersey, Patrick. All the way, yeah. Patricio. (laughs) So who came further? New Jersey, Argentina, it's Mm -hmm. kind of half the difference. Yeah, that's (laughs) New York, right? Yeah. Uh, You started learning the guitar when you were six,
8: uh, I started strumming the guitar when I was six, and this guy he saw me playing once, and he told me he was he wanted to teach me how to play. At, at six? At,
7: he, at eight? At eight. Okay. okay. And you learned a little bit from your dad and your uncle, mm-hmm. right? What did they teach you, or what kind of guidance did they give you at such a young age?
8: Mm, I don't know. I I, I think uh, they told me about they told me how to play a couple chords and then uh, maybe like some Argentinian songs I don't remember right now and it, it, it won't make sense to tell you what song <laughs> no you can tell us um, oh shit no I don't remember the name can I say shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can it's <laughs> cool. it's, 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 it's a radio and uh, oh my god <laughs> now and uh, so I think what happened is uh, after I learned like the basic the basic like open chords I started
7: uh teaching myself how to play song like by, by ear, right? And then you discovered the Ramones when you were eight. Yeah. What was it about them, since you didn't speak English, what was it about them that drew you in, um, either the landscape or the sound quality, or, or what was it that just caught your ear? Um,
8: yeah, I don't know. that. That In Argentina, we, we like a lot. we like the Beatles, we like a lot of bands from, from England and the US, and we don't know what they're talking about, but... You know that, I mean, if you like music, you know that that you you get a feeling of the of the of what people wants to wants to express, right? Through the music, you get a, even if you don't understand the, the lyrics, you, there's something that you feel. I mean, it's the energy they're sending by doing the, their music, by playing those songs. I, I think I, I got something from there. It's crazy because. When I moved to to the States, I started learning English, and then I started understanding some songs of different bands. And some some bands, I think I. St- I stopped liking him, or I like him less than than before. And some bands like like Ramones, I started liking liking them even more.
7: And did you how how far off did you feel like what you felt what they were kind of demonstrating to the music? Like where did you feel about that? And then when you learned the lyrics, like did, were you right? Were you kind of far off? Were they? Mm-hmm. Did you know they were songs about girls and you know being young?
8: Actually, I, I was when I was a kid. I like, I don't know why, maybe because I I used to hang out with older people, older guys, and I had older. I'm the youngest in, the, in my family, uh, younger, younger brother, youngest brother. And I don't know, when I was maybe 10 or 11, I, I was sniffing glue. And that was something like a very South American thing to do. I mean, that was like a neighborhood thing. We used to sniff glue and drink a lot of like, cheap wine and, and do drugs. And, and I didn't know. They're almost, they were talking about, now nah, I want to sniff some glue. I didn't know what that means. But, makes makes a lot of sense that I was listening to that and the right the moment
7: you're like oh so. yeah okay yeah I get this yeah this is me
8: oh yeah <laughs> now now that I think about it it's kind of crazy it's cool because I mean they were they were they were neighborhood kids and they were from from Queens and if I think where I where I where I'm from in Argentina it's pretty much like that it's like I'm I'm from like an
7: hour away from the city and what was the punk scene like when you were growing up in Argentina when you were in your teenage years
8: there is a I mean there were there was a big punk scene and. It's like now it's like its own scene, right? It's not like the Ramones. That we have bands that sing in Spanish, and and they have their own sound now. But they're based on on the Ramones sound. Um, but there were a lot of lot of bands from from Argentina playing around that time, early '90s um, and late '80s. But I wasn't there around the time. Uh, but it was cool. I don't know. It was it was kind of kind of funny because now now I see that I said to me it was cool because I was 10 year old 12 13 I was a kid right like some some kids they, they watch I don't know Barney <laughs> I don't know I was, I was like <laughs> you were this, sniffing glue and yeah headphones. I was yeah I don't know that happened to me I don't know why but to me that that was cool but now I look back it's kind of like a, we, we buy a movie This is like a movie right like mm. uh, it's not a, we, we buy that from, from the whatever they sell us on the in the movies and the the news from from America it's like we were like doing shit like that it wasn't really from there right we weren't listening to folk mu- Argentinian folk music to listen to rock from America
7: right like imported culture in a way
8: yeah so it's pretty much like basically like we were trained all we all trained to be rock stars and even the rock star they take care of their bodies we weren't we were like fucking doing
7: right it's stuff. always interesting uh, when we would travel around as DJs uh, people would be like oh New York is like this and we would go New York is definitely not like that you guys are crazy like, yeah, not, n- n- they don't n- get it's uh, like they would take it too far they wouldn't know they would only see the outward thing but not how just it was a projection or just a persona mm-hmm.
8: that, that that's pretty funny because uh, I mean, I read a lot of Ramo- about Ramones, and it, the first time they went to to London, they got there, and you know, Ramones they, they, they used to wear like regular like regular guys, and then when they got that look, they, they 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 tried to make sure that whenever someone saw it in the street, or they were wearing the large jackets and which was Arturo Arturo Vega's idea, right? But the thing is, like, they got to to London. And all the punks, they were waiting for them. They wanted to, they wanted to fight them, because they thought they were like really bad kids from the from the neighborhood in, in Queens, New York. They didn't know what that was. Yeah, they were, they were just kids. Yeah, and they were like, and they say we didn't know why these guys they were so angry. And they, so that they kind, like, they bought that idea of what punk was in, in America, and they took it a little bit far farther. In Argentina, the same. I, I don't know. I used to go to shows, and always we have we always have problems with the police and the police came and the kids they were crazy they were like how do you say like flipping cats cars in the street like those that was, that was nuts can we hear a song yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i to play a song it's called Cuidacoches. coches it's in spanish and it's one of the the first uh, punk punk rock bands from argentina I listen to but i like this band a lot it's called Loquero with me which means like mental institution and and the the lyrics they were very social uh related, you know? They were Perfect. talking about people living in the street and, and the guy he used to work, work in a mental institution. Perfect. Well
7: here we go live on snacky
4: tunes. Okay. <laughs> Vamos a odio, chicos, sin diversión ni trabajo fijo. ¿Quieres tu misterio? ¿Quieres que lo cuide? Cuida coche, hasta la cuido. Cuida, coche, hazte lo cuido. Oh! Chico, 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 pobre, no escuchamos tu rock Masticamos audio, chicos, sin diversión, mi trabajo, fijo ¿quieres, ¿Quieres que lo cuide? Cuida coche, hasta la cuido Cuida coche, hasta la cuido Cuida coche, hasta la cuido Cuida coche, hasta la cuido
3: Yeah,
7: what brought you to the states? My, um, I would say
8: uh, the destiny. <laughs> 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 but I, I first came here because my I have a sister. She lives here. She moved here in 2001. Oh, two thousand one, Oh yeah, around that around then. And I don't know. She she. She saw, she felt that I was doing really bad in Argentina around the time when, I, before moving here, I was doing mad drugs around the time and like, I don't know, I was very depressed, and and she's like, a, it's my older si- a sister, so she kind of like took care of me as, like as a mom when I was a baby, and she felt that and she said she said you, you should come here. I was like, okay, I have a base amp and some some stuff, some gear over there and I sold everything I bought a ticket and I came here
7: did you feel like the city spoke to you when you got here did you feel a connection to New York or Far Rockaway where you ended up uh,
8: it's kind of weird because I, I kind of fell in love with the th- the city but like in a different way I, I like it right now because when I got here I didn't know anyone and I like the, the fact that I, I was able to, to walk with the guitar at late night because because New York is very safe, right? I mean, Nowadays, the, yeah, yeah. So I I wasn't able to do that in Argentina much. I mean, I used to do it because I I had to do it, but it was pretty it was pretty bad, pretty, very dangerous. And coming here, I felt so free. I was like, oh my god, I can do this, I can do that, and I don't have to even worry about how I, how I look if I am dressed this way, dressed up this way. Uh, I don't know in Argentina they would do you let know, I me mean, like it and they were wanted to fire me in the streets we'll no put reason. it on
7: the uh snacky tunes instagram but your outfit is on fire today
8: fire. it's a it's an african uh outfit i'm wearing yeah
7: it's a great summer look from yeah <laughs> did you and did you feel that freedom influenced the way that you wrote songs or changed the way that you approached music uh Hmm. Cause I don't know now. I'm thinking, what what's freedom?
8: Cause freedom, I mean, like being able to walk in the street. It's just another word. Yeah. Cause it now, now I feel free because I was safe, and now I feel like I'm safe because I'm controlled. So I don't know how free I, I feel right now. So now it's like it's a different story for me. I was. Well, I know. What's,
7: what's your relationship to New York now? After how many years have you lived here?
8: Uh, I, that was the first time I came here. That was five years ago. And at one point I got so tired of the, the because I, I remember the first places my, my sister she brought me was to this in this neighborhood and what to me was like, everything was so new. I was like wow, look at this where bands playing you know, and something I, I never seen before. And, and now I don't know I, I got at one point I got tired of all that and then I, that's why I moved to Far Rockaway, trying to find more like what I was what I'm more used to. In, in Argentina or wherever, wherever I go, I always try to go to to the, the neighborhoods. Right.
7: What I really like about your music is it switches back between Spanish and English, and the English lyrics are very straightforward and direct. How have you found about the process, both learning the language and then having to express yourself in it, has affected the way in which you craft your songs? Um, yeah, I, I, it's kind of
8: what happened to to me was I, I never I always play music but I never focus on writing songs and I think I started writing more songs when I when I got here and because I, I wanted I wanted people to understand what I was talking about even though I, I, don't, I don't my my English wasn't it's not really good I, that was the only way to to express myself and so I started writing the first songs like in English in my life so I don't know I, it is I don't think it changed much with what the way I used to write before, because I, I didn't, I
7: hadn't write much before coming here. And how did you feel about being able to express yourself in a more, maybe not your first tongue, trying yeah. to get out, you know, your complex yeah. thoughts down into something a little bit yeah. more simple?
8: Um, some, I think at the beginning it was a, I felt like a little bit, a little bit, I, I, I had to do it because I had, I have to do it. That's why it's something I felt I had to do. It's like writing in English, but I think I, I I felt a little bit like a, not embarrassed but I feel like a little ashamed of, of like not having like a proper English but then I found out that I don't ha, I don't have a proper Spanish here <laughs> 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 learning another language like showed me that I don't know my own language mm. right there's, there's a lot of things you have to learn from your own um, but I don't know I, but I, I don't try to go too deep right now into, writings, into writing because I'm not a writer I just try to express with a little bit of music my my, my feelings which is very very hard but I think with the little I know of, with, of English I, I can I can do it and hopefully in the future I can do it more uh, I don't know easier or no not easier but freely
3: mm.
8: can we hear another song? Yes, uh, I'm going to play one, another one, one song in broken English for you guys. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Take Your Time. And I wrote that to this song to a friend.
4: Happen. i Well, letting go makes you feel this way (laughs)
7: <laughs> Your new record Old and Goldies Came out this past May Yes What was the process In pulling this Collection of songs together And how did you Formulate The record Um It
8: took me like a Like three years To To finish the, This album Cause I started writing The songs Three three years ago And Uh I don't know I, I'm not like a fast writer So uh, like Paul Simon <laughs> I'm, I'm not I, I don't write songs like every every day and it took me like maybe two years and a half to write all the songs I have in, on the album although I have made, I think there are nine songs original songs and six covers but to, to decide what what was gonna be on the album it took me three years and then I recorded it. Uh, no actually it took me two years and, and a half and then it took me like half, half a year almost almost one year to record the whole thing.
7: Why did it take so long to record it?
8: Because uh, I was uh, I've been very in focus. Foc- uh, I've been very focused on playing shows, so I think uh, that that takes a lot of my time. So if I go on tour, or blah, blah blah, then I don't have time to.
7: Right. So the record just kind of was almost secondary to the the live. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Because yeah, the- I think Eli- it's, it's in the live is, at this moment, it's more important than
7: than the record. Sure. I mean, for what I do. Sure. why and why is that
8: i don't know it's like i like i really like to i don't know I think if the music is more produced and you have more like a like a i don't know I don't think this the music I'm playing right now is like too important to to hear like the details and everything so I think it's a it's more like all the the energy and of
7: where it's not like okay, get into a quiet room, put on your like very nice sound yeah. canceling headphones, and and dive into the Talwan record. It's yeah, come yeah, see no. a show, get drunk, get in the pit. Ah uh, no no, I wouldn't
8: <laughs> say that. No, I, I'm very uh, no against. I mean, you do whatever you want, but my 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 message, I I would never want that was that, that for people to come to a show and get drunk. Just ha- come. What I really want. What I want to express is. Uh, it's not with the lyrics, but with my energy. I want I want people to come to a show and have fun and maybe hopefully get, in, get inspired and, and and take some of my energy, of our, our energy when we're playing and, and trying to... Maybe you go back home and you want to start doing something by yourself, right?
7: It, it sounds really reminiscent of how you listened to music when you were younger, the just hearing the music and maybe not knowing about the lyrics, but just hearing and feeling inspired that you're conveying that now with the music that you're performing. Mm-hmm.
8: When I used to go... Shows when I was a kid. That, that that's that's the the way I felt. I remember remember going to shows and see like this really cool band I liked. And after the show I was like, oh man, I want to play music. I want to do this. I want to do that. Because that that was thanks to those guys. They were they were doing like a they were so energetic. That really inspired me to do what I'm doing right now. And I heard a couple of times. Uh, some people told me that. Not many people, but like three or four times they they told me yo. I really want to go play. I want to start playing music now. That's what's up. That's what I wanted to accomplish,
7: right? It's amazing. We want to make sure we have time for one more song, but where can people find you, uh, get your record, find out where your shows are, check out your fashion sense?
8: They can find me... uh, You you can listen. You can hear this all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you can find me next month in a... I mean no, wait no, it's July, right? I'm a little lost. <laughs> uh, at the end of the month, I'll be in Mexico. I know that that's that's no your, your, yeah. your question, yeah. but <laughs> you can find me in, in Mexico. I'll be, I'll be playing in Mexico, 27th and 29th, 29th of July in Mexico City. Then I'll be in LA early August. Then going to Argentina, Uruguay, and Chile, now too. And then I'll be touring the U.S. September, October with with. Pat, he's right here. He's gonna come play bass with me. Perfect. And no, but you can find it online. I don't know. You, you, you I don't know. You yeah, can just
7: a tall one. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, it's not, I don't know. Not <laughs> if You can come to, to, to the show. That that will be even better. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, big thanks to John Yao and Jameson Fink. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's Snacky Tunes. What's the name of the song you are going to take us out with? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I think I want to play one It's It's called I Wish I Knew Perfect, well thanks for listening And we'll be back next week With another live episode of Snacky Tunes Thanks so much Greg Thanks for coming Peace
4: I wish I knew more More than what I know About you now I know you like fruits Amusements too. Oh, staying up all night, sharing good times with you, listening to Ramon so I just let her go, but nothing went wrong. Instead, I'm alright. The times we were cool. Those times in school, I recall them now, sharing good times with you, walking down by the park, oh, Oh, I haven't seen you since then, it's just one thing I'm sure of, Oh -oh. oh, yeah. Belongs to you
3: to you oh to, to you
4: oh to, to, you, to, to you, you
8: Much love to the people, power to the people. <laughs>
4: We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
1: Snacky Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org subscribe.